This is Catching Truth with Benji Johnson. Hey, I'm Benji Johnson, owner of Benji Johnson Catching. Welcome to the first episode of the Catching Truth podcast. In today's episode, we're going to chat with Brian Herzog, a former minor league umpire. Brian, can you tell us a little about your story? Uh, my name is Brian Herzog. Uh, I started umpiring in 2003 uh, at the amateur level of the high school. I went to umpire school in 2006 and started a trek through the minor leagues, spent nine years doing that, uh, umpiring in A-ball, double-A, and triple-A in the Pioneer, South Atlantic, California, Texas, and Pacific Coast Leagues. Had one winter ball in Venezuela, which was a pretty unique experience. And then started a business after that to kind of bring this thought process uh, and umpire's perspective over to player development. Sweet. Awesome. So we, let's see, we texted as a few days ago, it's probably like last week. And the question came up, I'm going to read the question. Um, the question came up from an umpire point of view. What needs do you have from a catcher with regard to how he sets up? So, this question this is something that's a it's important to me, and I think b it's important to players and their parents uh or their coaches yeah. um it's something I never thought about when I played really like i, I mean I kind of had like a a little inkling that obviously the way I set up may affect you some, but for me as a player, I was so engaged with the pitcher and the pitch and the pitches that I was calling and just what I was doing as an athlete that I didn't always think about how my setup may affect the umpire. I did at times have umpires tap me on the shoulder and be like, hey, Benji, uh, could you get a little lower here or something like that? And for me, being six foot two, sometimes that was hard. Um, and it was always kind of like I always questioned that. Like I never understood it. Why did the umpire need me to get lower? Uh, you know, does he not understand this is hard for me? And <laughs> like, I don't see him asking other players to get lower. So it was always yeah. I was like, okay, I don't get this. So I think your perspective on it being that you've, you've umpired at a high level, um, you're respected within that field. I think your perspective on that would be really helpful, not only for me as uh, an instructor, but helpful for a kid who might be wanting to catch and for their parents and for the coaches. So if you could talk about that for a few minutes, I think that'd be perfect. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, I love talking about that. Uh, it's, it's, uh, well, I mean, typically if you're going to, if the other catcher is five nine, he's probably not going to get as many taps on the shoulder. Um, but there's, it, it doesn't matter whether you're five nine or six two. There's plenty of things that you can do that uh, that just helps us out. We have to be in a certain position, and I mean, there's this idea that I mean, obviously, we can create consistency. We want to create consistency, but we could do that from any any point of view, or the literal point of view. Uh, but everything that we have that we that we train for there is uh, uh, it's to create consistency, but it's also for safety reasons. So we're, we're typically our head height is going to be the, the top of your, like our chin is going to be just the top of your head. We're going to be in the inside corner of the plate because statistically foul balls uh, come over the middle of the plate or, or away from us over the outside corner. And uh, so statistically I can show you all the charts and, and this is, this is how guys get lit up when they, when they veer, uh, or when they they end up too far over the middle of the plate, and that's why we end up where we're at. So mm. when we when we train for that, um, and, and we're going to be in that same position every time, that's that can be helpful to a catcher because 
while you may not understand everything that goes into that from our point of view, that's we can go over that if you want, but to keep it shorter, this is where we're going to be. And, it, and if you learn to not set up, uh, you can't not set up inside, but if you just learn to recognize where we are so that maybe your head doesn't cut off uh, quite as much of our view, we, we have plenty of ways to adjust for those things. But I think a lot of the missed pitches, um, I wouldn't even call them missed pitches because uh, I think a lot of them that are perceived as missed, you know, we might not, not even disagree with you on it. We just didn't get a good look at it. So and, you said uh, something about the eye level a minute ago. Yeah, and I still I still evaluate umpires uh, all over. So you know our, our head height. Uh, what I look for in umpires is is that chin being just a just at the top of your head, mm-hmm. and that can vary a little bit based on exactly where we are uh, uh, over the inside corner of the plate and based on how tall you are. But that it's it's going to be very uh, it's going to be pretty consistent from from umpire to umpire and very consistent. Okay. During so, the, during the entire game, so let's let's say you've got um, I use big league guys. So Matt Weeders is about six foot five, and then mm-hmm. Christian Vasquez is about five foot nine. So what what does that do to the strike zone when you've got somebody like Matt Weeders who struggles to get low versus Vasquez who's already really low? So that your head levels, your eye level is going to be different with each catcher. So what does that do to the strike zone, if anything? Yeah, I, th- I think it affects the strike zone when you're when you're simply not conscious of it. So when you, if you're the taller you are, I think the more conscious you have to be about uh, about that. And typically, if I'm on the inside corner and my head height's at a certain position, that bottom outside corner is what would disappear first. Should you jump up in front of me too fast? Okay, so, so if you're so from the catcher's point of view, when he's squatted, if he's a taller catcher, and you've mm-hmm. set up, he's set up uh, inside on a righty, and you're you're in the slot position, which means you're between him and the batter, right? Yeah, very good. So that, so that low and outside pitch to the right-handed batter would be the toughest one for you to see. Yeah, to either. I mean, I'm going to be on the inside corner regardless of. Uh, uh, if it's a lefty or righty, so I'm going to be on the lefty for or on the inside for a lefty too, which just right. makes the the bottom outside corner on either on either side. It makes it the furthest away, the physically the furthest away from my eyes. So it's it's one, it's the hardest to create consistency on. That's what we work really hard at. Um, but two, it's the first pitch to disappear. If if that's the pitch you're looking to get for a called strike, you pop your head up really really quick. Even if it's just, I, I mean, we understand. Uh, the situations and, and popping up because you got a runner stealing or something like that. A lot of those pitches are just missed uh, for the same reason, and it's nothing you did wrong because you got to be up and you got to be firing a second. But uh, it just the logistics of it. It's that bottom outside corner that will disappear first, simply because that's the point in my line of sight that w- that will disappear first too. And if I so, can't see it all the way into your glove, it throws off my timing a little bit too. So with that with that information, that tells me that it's extremely important for catchers on a pitch that is going to that outside corner for them to sink as they catch it and really try to catch the ball out front because that's going to give you a better view. Absolutely. The yeah, they absolutely. Yeah, it, it helps that pitch not disappear from my line. Whether you do end up hopping up or, or not, it it greatly uh, affects how long I can see that pitch uh, as far as if your glove's up against your body, uh, it's going to disappear and I can't see it in your glove and I'm really looking for it. Uh, I'm trying to track it all the way into your glove uh, to work on my timing on the, on the pitch too. 
So let's talk about then, so we talked about height a little bit. Let's talk about angle of the shoulders. So I'm sure you probably had catchers where some guys stay square to the pitcher with their chest and other guys get really angled. Have you, or can you remember a time where uh, a player who was overly angled with his body affected, negatively affected the strike zone? Hmm, yeah, I, I don't actually, uh, not on a regular basis, that's for sure. I, we're, we're trying to track the pitch out of the pitcher's hand, too, so that's where I'm trying to pick it up from. So my eyes are very much uh, focused on that as well. Uh, obviously, that's in my peripheral vision. Um, I would, you know, I can't say that effect, that affected pitches as much as, as the other things that are just straight cutting off our vision. Right. Um, but But absolutely, if it's, I suppose if your inside shoulder, just trying to think of the logistics of it, if your inside shoulder was further forward and your and your outside shoulder was further back, that would also uh, somewhat affect the bottom outside pitch um, more often, uh, more often yeah. than that. Yeah, and even even if it was too far forward, um, the bottom inside pitch, the bottom inside pitch is really hard to to become really consistent at too because it, it kind of looks like a, a line drive. If you're an outfielder, it kind of looks like a line drive coming straight at you. It's just a, a depth reception thing. So if, you're, if, you're, if your front inside shoulder, if your inside shoulder were, were too far forward, it would also cut off part of that uh, sooner, quicker in the pitch, I okay. guess. So we've got, we've got two things that impede your line of sight. One yeah. would be the left shoulder too far forward, mm-hmm. and then, would be catchers that are set up too high, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, and then I'd say too the just the last second movement. It's not, uh, you know, if you have if you're set up inside to start with, you know, we have ways to adjust for those types of things. But um, it, it's more the last second movement where if you throw your head in front of me last second, if you're set up outer third and he comes inner third, and you throw that head in front of me too instead of just getting the, the glove out there. Mm. Uh, if, if it's only the glove, you know, I don't have your head to work through, too. If you throw your head in front of me last second, again, if I, if I knew it was going to go there, I have ways to adjust for it, but not mid-pitch. Right. Okay. So, so catchers who have a lot of head movement are probably going to have um, yeah. issues with right calls. Yeah, and I'd say not only for that reason, but probably just because it's, it's more movement and I'm in my peripheral, too, and we're just – discussing the human brain here and how it works, you know? Distracting. Yeah, it's distracting. Yeah. Last thing that I think is really interesting would be how much the catcher moves the ball as they catch it or after they've caught it. How much of an impact does glove movement have on, on, on an umpire? Yeah, that's a phenomenal question. Not, uh, not, only how much, I, but how, not only how much, but what type of impact, too? Yeah. Yeah, the... You know, there, there's a lot of, like I said, the bottom outside corner, and so we'll just talk about the outside corner specifically because that's where I see a lot of, of pulled pitches. Um, and I'm going to use that term pulled. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of people ask how framing affects our calls, and I, I don't like to use the word framing because I, don't think, I think different people. I don't think I, I just think different people are are thinking in in different terms when we're talking about it. So I don't think we're getting an actual valuable conversation out of it. So I, I use the term pulling and, you know, and framing. Like a frame, uh, a proper frame, in my opinion, is, is using the kinetic energy of that pitch to, to bring it back towards you. And, Absolutely. Yeah, and, and it, 
But when you go out, the ones that are really negatively affected, I'd say, is when you go out and, and like I said, the outside corner, that, that's hard to be as consistent with. It's just further away from my from my eyes. And a, a pitch that I thought was pretty decent, when you pull it back two inches, uh, I'll, get a, I'll get a lot of guys ask, you know, how, where was that? You had it off type of thing? And I, yep, I had it off. And, oh, I had that there. Okay, well, you pulled it back two inches, so I'm going to say I had it about two inches off. Is that pretty accurate, you know? <laughs> and I remember because, I, I mean, I, I was that catcher. I think this is I think this is a good reason why I'm qualified to say what I say. I was that catcher uh, when I was that young. I, I thought I was moving it so fast that, that the umpire just couldn't see it, you know, and I, I had no mm-hmm. no idea why they wouldn't give me that pitch. But it's 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 pretty obvious. No matter how how fast you are, the higher you, the higher you go, they've all seen that too. And uh, when you start to pull it back in, it just doesn't give us credibility, even even to each dugout. Um, if I start calling those consistently as strikes, I'm not going to have credibility from that dugout, and they're going to start yelling that I'm I'm calling pitches that. I'm calling pitches strikes that the catcher didn't even think were strikes. So just the perception of, of what you do to each dugout there, I, you know, I'm not going to jump on a grenade and, and take three ejections because you're pulling pitches left and right out there. And, uh, and I'm going to have a ton of arguments because of it. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to end up with that many ejections um, just because I'm trying to, to cover cover up what you're doing out there type of thing. So, I, you know, the more the more polling, it just shows everyone else that you, you kind of didn't think it was there yourself. And, I mean, if it's an obvious strike, I'm just going to absolutely, absolutely go get it. But uh, the bottom line is that if you fool my brain, it's the same as fooling a hitter's brain, and uh, I work on my timing and I work on, I work on my craft, you know, extensively to be able to be consistent with what I do, but you're still going to fool – a human brain, no matter if it's my brain or the batter's brain. And if you start pulling it back, it doesn't matter if I realize immediately that, uh, oh, man, I wish I would have called that one a strike. The second I call out ball, you know, that's that's it. It's done. That's the one chance I got to rule on that pitch. And, uh, you know, I, I would love to change some of those because that's, you know, we always have stuff we want to change. We want to be more perfect. Um but the bottom line is you're going you're gonna to fool some umpires' brains too. So whether that's a, oh, I thought it was a decent pitch and you brought it back a couple inches and so I'm not going to get it because you're telling me that you thought it was off the plate or whether that's just a, a straight-up reaction uh, because, of, because, of, because you're pulling it back, whether it's a straight-up reaction or, or whether it's me consciously thinking it. Um, either way, you just lost a strike for a ball. So is that is when you say pulling – do you mean like that horizontal pull when they're trying to like basically pull the ball across the strike zone horizontal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. you see a lot of guys, <laughs> you see a lot of guys at the major league level, especially right now in the playoffs. Um, and this is something that I teach guys. But you see guys, they'll catch the ball and they create the movement as they catch it instead of after right. they call. Right. Uh, and exactly. I think, yeah. So from my experience, if you're if you're moving that ball two inches as you catch it. That's about the only way you're going to fool anybody. But if you're catching it and then you're pulling it and you're doing it horizontally, there's a pretty mm-hmm. good chance that the umpire is going to see that. Yeah, and again, just again, I may not have that pitch off of the plate, but if you receive that well and and your glove moves two inches from 
where you're out in front of the plate to how you received it and using the kinetic energy. And maybe by the time uh, you're done receiving it, you've moved two inches, but that doesn't look the same as going out and getting it and then pulling it back two inches. You know, they, they look very different. And again, I want to get that strike um, because, you know, I, I had it on the plate, but if you pull it back, that looks very different and it shows everybody you didn't think it was a strike versus right. receiving receiving that well, using the energy of pitch. Um, uh, and, I mean, you know, getting behind it and, and receiving it instead of pulling it. So this is this probably why um, guys who have played or coached uh, at the professional level, so the minor leagues or the major leagues, that's probably why all of us guys say um, – pitch presentation instead of frame. Yeah. Yep. Yes, exactly. Yep. Exactly. Love it. Thanks for listening to Catching Truth with Benji Johnson. 